Good morning. How's everyone's week been? Good? I guarantee you my week was better because I was on vacation. Unless you were on vacation, then we had the same week. Yeah? All right, all right. I take it back. My family and I, we went over to uh, Twin Lakes, Idaho, which is a little north of Coeur d'Alene. And I have to tell you a, a quick story. If you know my dad at all, you'll know that he loves his kids. He also likes bringing physical pain to his kids. And so our family, all they do on vacation is uh, we go out on the boat and we go inner tubing and everything like that. Well, I'm a little tall for our inner tube. And so uh, my legs just flop the entire time across the water. And they're all nice and bruised. And uh, my dad said, that sucks. Are you ready for another round? And I was like, yep, let's go. So, uh, yeah, if you ever get a chance to ride on an inner tube with my dad and you're tall, just be aware. Uh, well, we want to welcome you to MRCC today. My name is Tyler. I'm here on staff. And I just have a couple quick announcements. Uh, coming up this Saturday is our Cookies for Cause. It's our second one. If you don't know what that is, uh, Marcy Van Winkle uh, puts on a class uh, to decorate cookies. It is $50, and all the proceeds are going to the building fund. If you'd like to sign up, you can sign up online by, I believe it's Thursday this week is the deadline, uh, and it's in room 105. We would love to have you there. Also, next Sunday is our next Encounter Worship Night, and Pastor Weston and Pastor Darius have partnered, and it's an all-church worship night. There is childcare for six and below. We would love to have you. It's in uh, the sanctuary at 6 p.m., and then also on August 19th is our last family movie night of the year. School starts, I heard, in August this year for Enumclaw, and all the students go, ah, but it's okay. Uh, we want to invite you. There's a lot of sugar and games and snacks. The movie starts at sundown. We'd love to have you. I'm going to invite Tom uh, up on the platform. And first service was the very first time Tom and I met. Uh, and we shook hands and everyone witnessed it. It was great. But I, I have to brag on Tom for, oh, yeah, we'll do it again. I have to brag on Tom for just a second. He is the absolute nicest person ever to communicate via email. So if you ever get the chance, he's great. Thank you, and good morning. <clears throat> what a joy to be here. What an opportunity. Yeah, you'll catch it. I'll tell you what, though. <clears throat> my sermon this morning, you've already sung it. It was right up here with the worship team. It's surrender. It's loving God. It's putting him first. The things that, that we sang, the words of scripture that we sang, are right here, so I'm gonna to try to recap it for us a little bit. <clears throat> and welcome, and it's a joy to be here, and, and my wife and I have fallen in love with MRCC and the people here, and I love Jesus, and Jesus is Lord. And that may be the best thing you hear today. Jesus is Lord. <clears throat> you might see in his steps up here. That's good. In his steps, uh, you might be familiar with a bracelet and a popular movement that came out if you're, if you're old enough. Uh, do you remember What Would Jesus Do? WWJD. And they had bracelets. And uh, 
We wore those. Well, that, that WWJD, What Would Jesus Do movement, came out of a book that Charles, <clears throat> Charles Sheldon wrote called In His Steps. And <clears throat> In His Steps, he writes about a group of Christians from a predominant church in town that chose to take a vow on themselves that they would not act for one year without asking themselves first, what would Jesus do? They also met every week after church to hear, encourage, and pray for one another as they each sought to live the life that they best perceived Jesus would live if he were in their shoes. It was a very hard year and deeply gratifying. Mr. Sheldon got his inspiration from 1 Peter 2.21, and I'll tell you this morning that 1 Peter is where we'll be, period. So when you get home or you want to grab your Bible, you want to open it, get up there, get going. Uh, we hit bits of all the first four verse, first four chapters of 1 Peter. We will get through them. I promise. Pastor Greg is, is almost, he's right at the halfway point on his sabbatical. And so that, what that means in simple terms is a month from now, you'll get to hear him again. And Pastor Greg is an awesome pastor, and we're so lucky to have him to be our shepherd. And as he's on sabbatical, I know you're praying for him, ask you to continue to do that. So 1 Peter 2.21 says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. What rings out to me, what I can't quit thinking about is this. If we don't know Jesus, how can we follow in his steps? Our first step of faith is based on an understanding that Jesus loves us. Amen. We ask him to forgive us, to adopt us into his family. We want to live with him and for him forever. That's a really good start. Was Jesus a man of integrity? When did Jesus give thanks? Did Jesus want God's will above his own? How did he handle taxes, loneliness, exhaustion, religion, grief, hunger? How did he talk to his disciples? How did he choose his disciples? These are some of the footsteps we find in scripture. Have you found his footsteps. Let me <clears throat> go on my own journey to 1988. Our own kids were small, and we just moved from North Idaho to North Bend, Washington, <clears throat> just up Highway 18. The first thing we should have noticed was Mount Si. We heard about it before we ever saw it. At my job interview, I was told, you'll have to climb Mount Si. You'll love Mount Si. Our high school is named after Mount Si. It didn't impress me. It didn't impress me because I couldn't see it. Then the clouds rolled away and the sun came out and there she was, filling up our kitchen window. I was impressed. I wanted to see if I could follow or even find the trail that would take me to the top. Holy Spirit, we need you to be here right now. We need to not get lost in words. 
we need to have your presence here. And so I invite you, Holy Spirit, to clear our minds, to clear our hearts and our thoughts. I invite you to move back and forth through the rows. I invite you to protect us. I invite your, you to come in your power and, and spiritually set this place aside. And the homes, protect them as they're listening to this service. God, we need you to speak to our hearts. We want to, to find where the path is. We want to find what you've called us to all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, to walk in your steps, to walk beside you, to follow you. And so, God, here we are, surrender before you today. And we just, I'm looking forward to your being here. You're already here. Thank you. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Funny thing about Mount Size, the trail was easy to find. It was broad and flat at the bottom. Obviously, many thousands of feet had worn smooth the wide path that would lead us up the mountain. Laura and I drove by there two months ago, and it's obvious that the call of the mountain is stronger now than it ever was. <clears throat> there are several parking lots now. There's even an overflow parking lot. There are signs up so you won't get lost. The trail is wide and easy at the start. But as we found out, the farther you go, the higher you climb, the narrower the trail. It becomes rather evident that fewer people reach the top than start the journey. And that's often true in our own lives as well, both spiritually and physically. In your 30s, which is where I was when we first moved there, you might be able to climb Mount Si any weekend. In your 60s, it can be a hike to get from the parking lot to the start of the trail. Our hike with Jesus Christ can parallel a hike up a mountain, whether it be Mount Si or Mount Peak. Even being an effective part of a local church starts out easy. Take a membership class, get baptized, join a small group. But then we find we have to exercise those spiritual muscles as well. We have to show up. We have to exercise by helping others, by bending our knees in prayer, by lifting those around us, by stepping out in faith where we think Jesus is calling us. What would Jesus do? More of a question than a statement. What would he do? If we don't know, we can't answer that question. What did Jesus do when he was at the height of his ministry? He took time. He got alone with his heavenly father. He prayed. He listened. He was obedient. First Peter reflects Jesus' life and is a guiding path for us to follow in his steps. First Peter calls us to follow in his steps, to suffer for him, to quit wasting time, and over and over calls us to be holy. We know that God is holy. We know that Jesus is holy. First Peter 1, 15 through 16 tells us, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God, who chose you, is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. Hmm. Telling me I have to be holy can be something like telling me I have to climb Mount Si. If you've never seen Mount Si, it's only a name. If you haven't recognized or seen a holy God telling me I need to be holy just doesn't mean anything. 
I have some kind of an idea of God being holy and you tell me I have to be holy, I'm going to think you're nuts. I know my thoughts. And I think it is right that God is holy, but me, not likely. One of the unique things about Mount Sai that we learned over the years was if you try to climb it on your own understanding, just walk up to the front of it and start going up, you probably won't survive. The front side has huge shale rock slides that are very unstable. To climb Mount Sai, you have to start out on the right path. The same thing can happen to us spiritually as we heed the call to holiness. Our own understanding, our own definition of holiness can prove to be fatal if we just rely on our own knowledge. There is a path of holiness. First Peter calls each of us to that path. First Peter 1, 13 through 15. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. First Peter 2, 1 through 3. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. I pray that the Holy Spirit right now is speaking to us. We're not just lost, but that he's speaking to us when we're told to get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Again, in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires to wage war against your soul. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Some of us have those. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Again, in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone, love your Christian brothers and sisters, fear God, and respect the king. Chapter 2 again, verses 21 on. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you. Here is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like a sheep, you wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd and guardian of your souls. It's a journey. It's a path. In Deuteronomy, God is calling us to walk with him. He's calling his people to walk with him. All through scripture, 
God is calling. He has a path for us. He has footsteps. He's gone ahead of, he walks beside, he walks behind. He walks with us and he, he wants us to walk in his path. He wants us to follow. It's, it's an easy path to find. And a lot of people go to that level ground and they find that path. And then what do they do with it? Do they continue? My first, second time up Mount Sai, <clears throat> my three and a half year old nephew came and he wanted to go up Mount Sai with us. Well, it's a four mile hike and 4,000 feet climb in elevation. He can do it, right? Three-year-olds should be able to do that. So we got about halfway up, and it was, Uncle Tom, could you carry me? Sure. <laughs> Hop on. So I carried him. We got up to the top. And then there's Haystack Rock on the top, and John was pretty well hooked on around my neck and legs wrapped around me. And I thought, It'd be awesome if we just climbed up on Haystack Rock. We could look from up there. And so I started up Haystack Rock. I got about 30 feet up, 20 feet up, probably 10. <laughs> and, I, and I realized that if I fall, I'm going to land on my nephew and squish him. And my sister won't be happy. So we, we need to calm down just a little bit and climb down. And so, so we did. And, and then we sat up there and we'd taken a lunch, so we ate and we looked out over the valley and looked down this way. And, and then John got really sleepy and so he fell asleep. So I got to carry him all the way down. <laughs> God has a journey for us. And Jesus suffered for us. Carrying your nephew is not suffering, although at the time it felt like it, but there are little things that we will do for those around us. And sometimes they'll be misinterpreted. Sometimes they won't. But Jesus never sinned. First Peter chapter three, we make it into chapter three here. And it says, Christ, verse 18, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned. But he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. Do you know that the power that you do know this? I know you know it. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, scripture says, is alive inside of you. That Holy Spirit is not diminished by our choices and our lifestyle. People may not see him as well, but he is not contaminated with living in us. We don't contaminate him. He lives inside of us and he starts making us pure and holy and his light and his heat and his flame starts spreading out through us, starts making a difference in our lives. And Jesus, who suffered physical death, he was raised to life in the spirit so that we hear in First Peter and throughout scripture, is that God is holy, that Jesus suffered and died for our sins once for all time and was raised from the dead. He never sinned. Jesus is holy. That'd be a good place for an amen. Jesus is holy. <clears throat> How is it even possible that I am to be holy? 
Some translations of the Bible use the word sanctify or sanctification in place of holiness, and that's okay. It may be easier for us to understand sanctification and apply it to our lives than to think of ourselves as holy. Sanctification is a word in Scripture that's represented by three tenses, past, present, and future. <clears throat> there was a specific day and place and time that I surrendered all my life to Jesus. I surrendered my wife, my children, my job, my housing, my future to his will. I committed to find out what Jesus would do in my life and obey it. That was the past. I was sanctified on that day, or as another version puts it, I was made holy. I turned my life over to him today. I asked him to forgive me for my known and unknown sins. I dedicated my life again, and that's present. I am being sanctified. I was holy at a given point. I am being made holy today. And I look forward to the day when I stand in his presence, no longer weighed down with the sins and concerns of the world. I will be sanctified. All of this comes down to a statement, a fact which you find at the start of 1 Peter chapter 1. So we made it to chapter 3, now we're back in chapter 1. <clears throat> verse 1 and verse 2. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit, listen, his spirit has done what? It's made you holy. You are holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Chapter 4. <clears throat> for if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had, listen to this, enough time in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. See, First Peter is going to talk to us. If, if you're a husband and you feel like your prayers aren't being answered, First Peter's got a response to that. If you feel like you've wasted your life, Peter, First Peter's got a response to that. If you feel like you're not sure that you can be holy, First Peter's got a response to that. If you feel like there are some habits and stuff that you can't break and can't get past, First Peter's got an answer to that. If you're not sure that Jesus loves you, First Peter's got an answer to that. Take First Peter and read it and process it. It's only five chapters. It doesn't take very long to read it, but read it. First Peter is completely synchronized with the rest of the New Testament and with the Old Testament. The time past is sufficient for us to have sown our wild oats. We're called to move up the mountain of God, to climb after his holiness. We also stand under conviction for the time we have wasted. Let me give you another illustration. In February, our family decided that we would all go to Disneyland together. You know, you guys hear a lot about vacations up here. I, I noticed Tyler was on vacation, and, and Weston's been on vacation. and Yep, we got to go on vacation. So, Dave, he just goes fishing. You know, he doesn't get vacation. He just gets to spend money and bounce in the ocean. <clears throat> so we decided to go to Disneyland together. 
we made the trip the end of May. It was amazing, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I might have. Why? Because I realized in February that I needed to start walking to get my stamina up to long days at Disneyland. I didn't start right away. <coughs> and then I was sick. And then I was busy. Then the weather was nasty. Then, 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 and before I realized it, we were in California. <laughs> at Disneyland, there are lots of rides and lots of lines to stand in and lots of walking. There are not a lot of places to sit down unless you have a menu in front of you. I made it about eight hours and had to leave and head back to the hotel. Not a bad thing in and of itself, but not the best thing either. I missed time with my kids and grandkids because I hadn't prepared when I should have. Are you hearing 1 Peter chapter 4? God has called us to prepare for him. He has called us to be holy. Now is the time to start, not tomorrow, not after you feel better, not after the building gets complete, not after you move or the new job or graduation. He calls us to be holy and to be holy today. I need to share with you three, my first three interactions with MRCC. The first one, 10 years ago, my wife and I attended our first service here. One of our grandsons was being dedicated, and from the angle of my pictures, we were sitting down right about there. <clears throat> we were so grateful to hear you guys collectively agree to help raise our grandson, that you promised to pray for him and his parents, that you would help him follow in Jesus' footsteps. That's the best thing a grandparent can hear. Nine years ago, we attended a Christmas Eve service, and and I know it doesn't matter to you, but it does to me because I remember it. And I was sitting right over there by the windows. <clears throat> it was pretty packed in here, as you may well know. There wasn't a lot of personal space. There was one, maybe two empty chairs in our row. Partway through the service, a lady came in and sat down next to me. It became apparent that she had been drinking a lot. As I sat there, I started thanking God that my kids... We're going to a church that was committed to helping raise my grandson and that anybody could come and worship God. We don't have to be perfect to come in the door and to sit in one of the seats here. Maybe the alcohol was celebration. Maybe it was loneliness. Maybe it was trying to mask pain and failure. Maybe it was giving in to addiction. Maybe, and I realized it didn't matter what it was. It mattered who she is. She felt comfortable, compelled, hungry to be here and worship the baby born 2,000 years ago, the baby that would put us all on an equal playing field by dying for us because of our sins. I was grateful that she was sitting next to me. My third interaction came in the spring of 2014. Ten days after our granddaughter was born and ten days before his second birthday, our grandson was hit and killed by a car over in Buckley. The youth pastor at the time was Zach Gash. He was driving by on 410 and witnessed it. The guy living across the highway was an EMT and he came running. The first car that stopped was a lady doctor specializing in pediatric respiration. Our Lincoln was loaded in ambulance and sent to Mary Bridge in Tacoma. 
Pastor Zach called Pastor Greg, who was just getting out of a doctor appointment across the street from Mary Bridge and was able to wait for the ambulance to arrive. When I committed my wife and my kids and their kids to Jesus, when I decided I wanted holiness more than I wanted my own way, without ever meeting him, I handed him Lincoln. And that's a good thing. Dozens, hundreds, thousands of MRCCites, that's a new word I just coined. <laughs> MRCCites have followed in his steps. You've helped trodden a path that became easier for the rest of us to follow. In the two plus years that we've now lived here, we've found so many people that have lost preborn children, infants, sons, daughters, brothers and sisters, moms, dads, husbands, wives, aunts, uncles, grandparents, great grandparents. No, we can relate to some of that. Grief isn't limited to loss of family. It can be a loss of a job or housing or savings or health or your dreams. Wherever we invest our hearts and put our love and hope will cause us to mourn when it is gone. We need to be holy. Not because a pastor asks us, but because this is what scripture calls us to. We are to walk in his steps. We are to realize that when we are called to be holy, Jesus wasn't speaking of some pie in the sky, an unattainable lifestyle that we would fail at. He is asking us to stop wasting the time we have and follow in his steps. What would Jesus do? We can read our Bibles and learn what he would do in so many situations. When I went forward and prayed all those years ago, I gave Jesus control of all of my life. That included where we live today, our kids and grandkids. It means I gave him control of everything I still do. In the process, I have to surrender my will to his on a daily basis. Holiness, something that happened at an altar, something that happens today and something that will finally be done and complete when I stand before him. Is there anything you need to surrender to Jesus? Today's the day to do that. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Other things will crash in. Is there anywhere that you need the power of the Holy Spirit? Remember, regardless of how you feel, if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, and that makes you holy. Would you stand with me this morning? benediction today is from 1 Peter 1, 1 and verse 2. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. May you go in the comfort, the strength, the joy and the holiness of Jesus Christ, our Savior, as he leads us in his steps. Amen.
You are dismissed.